Hello and welcome to this episode of Writing Today, where we'll be going over some world-building methods. I'll be talking about my biggest problem when I'm writing a novel as well, and why these methods helped me establish more informative scenes and a more in-depth world for the reader to enjoy. As always, you can find and read this blog post on my website, thependsleuth.com. There's a link in the description. And if you enjoy this video, please be sure to leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. I do videos like this every two weeks and every second week as well, I'll also be doing a book review. With that said, let's get straight into the video. The funny thing about this problem that I have is that I really do enjoy world building. I dream about world building, I plan it out, I write several stories about it, I create complex backstories for my characters, the works. Well not completely the works as I'm missing the key element which is a sort of natural world building element where events and discussions are had which add to the world's depth. But I only seem to add this when I'm doing the backstories of characters or describing and setting the scene, but there are many opportune moments when I could do a bit more to help the reader's imagination along and to help establish what is going on in the world space as well. I'm not so lost in the plot that I don't take advantage of the slow moments. I do sometimes uh, have scenes I write which add a bit more to the characters and the world space, but not as much as it should. I feel that when I'm editing at least and reading these chapters as I go, I find that many of the pages seem a bit empty, as if something just isn't there. And upon further research I found it was this element. These world building moments that make a story's world space that much more immersive, exciting and interesting. And upon researching all these methods and scenes and dialogues that one could create, I realized that I've read these scenes, dialogues and so on so many times in other stories. Other writers are doing this, they are making sure that they have these world building elements in place. What I'm doing is coming off as more necessary world building rather than that acceptable amount of fluff which allows for a story to really grow in the reader's mind, to really feel as if it's alive. And the funny thing is, the other reason I don't write these scenes is I have a strong aversion to writing them. I feel that if it isn't necessary, I simply glance over them or scan through them and move on. Which is why with some novels, which tend to go a bit over the top of these scenes, I tend to frown at because for me, it's writing something that is unnecessary and thus it is wasting my time, so to speak. I can see the characters, the world and understand the emotions of a scene, but then these writers will then take it a bit too far and then I'll start to uh, detach myself from the novel. And that's something that I really deeply wanted to avoid, but in doing so, I accidentally uh, cut out a very important part of world building. So for this video, I'm going to be talking about these five building scenes and methods that will help fill that gap, help make a world feel a bit more in-depth and alive. And this is definitely for other writers who are just like me, and they are reading their work and they feel everything is just too straightforward, and there needs to be moments where the reader can relax, enjoy and imagine the world, to really get a sense of ambiance. The very first method is overheard conversations. A classic moment in many novels is to have the protagonists overhear a conversation between the people of the world 
or even important characters. Stories are passed around by word of mouth everywhere, delivering news, giving information about certain people, events or political situations in other places in the world space. It's easy information to receive, giving your characters and readers insight into what is happening beyond their present location. As an added benefit, one can create news that has changed hands so many times that has been altered by the fears and imaginations of those retelling the story. A broken telephone effect is not only realistic, but it lends a semblance of doubt to what is being told. It could be that the bad news reaches the main character about a certain place or person, but they cannot be sure of how bad the news is. Could it be they are heading someplace far too dangerous for them to consider? Or has the news been made more exciting with a few adjustments by those wishing to tell a more exciting story? Whatever this conversation that the characters over here may be about, it is still a great conversation to include in your book. It could be that they're talking about some casual information, such as news about different places, perhaps the politics of the system, and so on. Or it could be that they are talking about some crucial plot point that needs the main character's attention. In these conversations, emotions can be conveyed, personalities can be shown. In other words, an overheard conversation doesn't have to feel so mundane and boring, it can be made a bit more interesting with clashing personalities, especially if you are writing characters which you'll only see for this moment. In other words, you can make this world building element a lot more fun with unique personalities. Now personally, I find this method the best out of all that I'm going to be telling you, because from this method I feel that the world which is often populated with faces and figures which you don't really see or feel until they start speaking. In other words, if your characters start hearing these conversations and snippets here and there, the world starts to feel more alive. You can hear the chattering of the populace, you can hear the, the shouts, the laughter, things like that. Suddenly, every little figure that you imagine in the scene is a living, breathing person, an important part of the world space, fulfilling a role either in society or even in the plot. So to sum up, this is an easy method for world building and you can have a lot of fun with it as well. Now I'm going to follow my favorite method of world building with my least favorite, exposition. I've often complained about exposition in the past because I don't like to read a story that continuously adds to the story through narration that breaks the pacing of the plot. Yet there is some narrative I can tolerate, but even then, only in small doses. Let me explain that better. Some characters are having a discussion, moving to their next destination at a leisurely pace. It's not a tense moment, just a slow moment. In between the dialogue, the narration adds to the conversation or the world through small explanations of how things work in the world in the story. It could be that the narration discusses various factions, the way some machines work or any other subject that adds depth to the world space. These small doses are a paragraph or two taking a moment to read and understand as the writer doesn't want to detract from what is happening in the present scene. Soon after these paragraphs, the writer directs attention back to their characters, either talking about their actions, their thoughts, or striking up a conversation or even starting an important event. As I said, this isn't my favorite method to use. I will use it if the occasion really calls for it and no other method really works, but otherwise I sternly avoid it. This is because I like to have 
in-the-moment methods to explain the story. I like to make sure that the reader feels like they're actually there, learning with the characters. But I feel that when narration steps in and breaks up the pacing and it feels like the, the movie has been put on pause until this explanation is done, then I feel it detracts from the story. I like to keep the pacing going, I like to keep the reader there and moving along with the characters. Now, as this is narrative exposition, you'll be using this more in third-person stories where you are detached from the characters already, so it feels a bit more comfortable when exposition suddenly starts to be used. But when you have a first-person character and they suddenly go into exposition during an important moment, such as a conversation, or perhaps even worse, during a high-paced fight scene of all things, then you completely detach from the pacing. And that's the problem. It makes sense then that it is only used in the slow moments when you're writing in the first person, but in the third person it can be comfortably used almost anywhere in the story. The third world building element is political conflict. Now I've done political conflict before, it's always something that I include in my novels, but I don't often make reference to it when I can, which is again another bad thing. Also, political conflict doesn't apply to some novels, but for most, you'll have several factions. It could be more average factions, such as different gangs and law enforcement, or it could be more fantastic with feuding kingdoms and different magical races. It could be race, religion, ideology, magical preference, hair color, and so on. Factions are created by their differences and conflict arises. Some conflicts are greater than others, from their words to their actions. Another great way to build the world is to establish these factions through dialogue, or even a little narrative exposition if you wish. However, having discussed that dialogue is more natural, that is something I prefer. You can even throw prejudice into discussions, making it interesting. Yet political conflict should always play a part in a large world space. That is because there will always be conflict, a clash of cultures and ideologies. So having a world that has this ever-present problem will make it more realistic and the plot a bit more believable. After all, if your characters go to many places, they need to encounter some differences. Thus, they need to encounter some conflicts. Now, if you're writing a story where you don't want your characters to get involved in any sort of political conflict and they're more bystanders on their own journey, you can do that. But that doesn't mean you can't still lend some world-building elements when it comes to the political conflict itself. From the smallest method to the biggest, you'll be able to convey a sort of tension. Every world has this tension. The readers can then wonder if the actions of the main characters will affect this tension in some way. Will they be on such a grand journey that it could change the world itself? Or could it be that this event that is going on, this conflict, affects them. Either way, it makes for an interesting element that not only affects how the reader sees the world, but affects the plot in a crucial way. Fourth on this list is mannerisms and traditions. The beauty behind the differences between cultures is that each one is valid and interesting. It is ridiculous to assume one is the norm when for many people it is unusual and foreign. Thus people all over the world celebrate each other's cultures by experimenting and perhaps even taking them up in their personal life. 
from the way they sit to the way they eat to complete changes in their lifestyle. Suddenly cultures that were dying out are revived by this uniqueness. When writing a new and interesting world, it is often recommended that the characters, if not the entire populace of certain places, display a range of different mannerisms that separate them from the common and accepted customs we see today. It could be how people greet each other, the words they use, the procedures they follow and the traditions they have developed over the many years. You could take your time to analyze the cultures we see today. What are their traditional and common mannerisms? You can create more realistic scenes and instantly more recognizable actions and moments for people familiar with that culture. Of course, you can do something similar if you are creating a fictional world space. You can use your research to develop an array of customs that characters take a part in their daily lifestyle. These customs can even pertain to the law, where some actions that may seem casual and unassuming are actually deeply insulting or even illegal. Now, when I'm creating an entire fictional world, I like to take a lot of inspirations from real life. I think about the aesthetic of the world I'm trying to create and I look at similar aesthetics that have been established in our world. In some cases, there will be great similarities where I feel that one culture really captures the aesthetic that I'm going for. Or it could be that, that nothing in this world really fits what I want, so I then have to use my imagination to fill in the gaps but still taking bits from here and there to give some familiarity to this new world space. That's something I always want to include in my novels because I want the reader to attach themselves to the world space and the characters, to feel that they recognize and relate to what is happening. These are small touches and they make a world of difference, forgive the pun, and it is something that I do recommend that you try out if you wish to create a more fictional culture for yourself. Now fifth and finally is to establish believable resources. Establish the source of these resources that make up your world. In modern fiction, this is often easy and boring to do, as we already know where resources come from, we know who puts them together and we know who pays for them. For example, a rich character owns a large skyscraper. It is then easy to understand that there are industries which work to create such skyscrapers and the rich character can afford it as they have the finances to do so. All this information is fairly commonplace and mundane, often making for an interesting writing if it is included at all. Yet what is made interesting is when there are core plot points involved and the product is more unique or extraordinary in some way such as a weapon of some kind or some space-age technology thought only to exist in fiction, a MacGuffin in other words. Suddenly the steps of how it came to be created become far more important because this is something extraordinary. But now let's say you're writing medieval fiction or some medieval themed fantasy novel. The example is similar but now a lot more interesting. A royal character has a large building constructed, let's say a castle for simplicity's sake. A large number of locals are hired or even forced to build this castle. Some work in a nearby quarry, as transporting the resources difficult with their limited technology. The intricate designs and decor are handled by professionals, perhaps even masters of their craft. The castle is built and although it's far from machine-like quality of the modern day skyscraper, the methods used and the effort put into its creation is far more admirable and interesting. In the case of forced labor, far more horrific. An entire story can surround this creation of interesting objects and buildings, 
which is why the establishment of these resources is so important in world building. Factions could fight for these resources, they could have entire wars over them, making them that much more valuable and important. Now those were just some large examples, but these can also work on the small scale. You could have a character who is selling a product, made from some imported material, and this imported material they can talk about, and its importance, and its value, and its quality. And with that, the reader will get insight into how the world works. It has an economy, it has trade routes, it has people working together to create fine products. A fact mentioned by a simple character, but it's a small peek into a larger world, and that is something a reader can really appreciate. Again though, this is something like narrative exposition which you can go on and on with, so you want to also, or at least for me anyway, use this in small doses, so that way you don't take a step out of the novel and do a bit of uh, ranting about something this or that. And there you have it, those are some five methods and scenes ideas that you can use to create a more in-depth world space. I really hope that this is a video that helps other writers like me, who like to write more straightforward and simple stories, who only stick with the necessary, but also, like me, find that their story is lacking something, that they need to have this element that makes the world feel a bit more in-depth and a bit more interesting. And these methods will help you do just that. When you see the opportunity to use them, do so. You don't have to do them all the time, perhaps once or twice a chapter at most, and you will have that element to your story. You will have that moment where the reader starts to imagine and see the depth of your world space. And then you can check that off your list and focus on your part as you do. And that brings us to the end of the video. If you enjoyed this one, please be sure to leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you want to see more of my content, you can check out my channel, I have loads of videos. Or you can visit my website, thependsleuth.com, where I have stories, books and articles for you to enjoy and perhaps learn from. Thank you for watching and listening, and with that, good day, good night, and happy writing.